Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. In free agency this summer, what might the Wolves be targeting? There's some question marks still about guys still on the roster, some options out there who may be back, who may not be back. But what positions may they be targeting? What are some potential, not bargain free agents, but really more mid-level names that have played rotation minutes on good teams the Wolves could look at? And then also a way to look at power rankings for next year. I'll tell you why ESPN's power rankings are, once again, wrong. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy weekend. Hopefully you've had a fantastic week. I want to take you into the weekend with a little bit of off-season free agency talk, as well as uh, a peak way ahead. To, to next year, the power rankings for the start of the year. ESPN took a stab at it and their rankings were not right. We'll get to that at the end of the show. I want to start with the free agency talk. Uh, so we'll do that here in a minute. First of all, though, a big thank you for making this show your first listen every day. Locked on Wolves is, of course, free and available everywhere. That includes YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch on your TV on the Roku or Amazon Fire TV. Uh, if you have either one of those, you can download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Listen to this show along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts there. Again, Roku and Amazon Fire TV. The app's name is Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves. Don't forget the T and also at B-Beacon and that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it below on your screen. All right, so the draft is next Thursday. I promise. Next week, will be almost all draft coverage. Of course, the Wolves only have the 53rd pick, but it's important to have an understanding for some of the players in the top 10 in the event that a blockbuster trade was to be agreed to on draft night or in the ensuing weeks. Um, I I don't think it's likely, but we'll, we talked a little Scoot Henderson. We talked a little Brandon Miller. Like, it's possible. So we'll, we'll talk a little more about that, but I want to focus on some possible late second round picks. The Wolves, of course, do have 53. There's always the chance they trade up, trade back. Uh, trade into the first round. Um, the most likely scenario is, of course, they just make a pick at 53. So we'll spend a lot of next week doing that. But today I did, I want to get a little bit into free agency. Um, it's been a couple weeks since we've touched on the Wolf situation. I don't want to rehash all of it. Um, but basically, where are the question marks on the Wolves rosters and what is it most likely, or what I should say, this is a better way to say it. What are the most likely positions they're looking to fill in free agency? And, and I guess, then related is, is what question marks are there. So obviously unrestricted free agents include end of rotation, uh, you know, like uh, Austin Rivers, I guess, is really the only end of rotation guy that's a free agent. Legit rotation players, Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker are all free agents. Noel and Reed are unrestricted free agents. Alexander-Walker is a restricted free agent. So that's a little bit more complicated. Um, also there's the two way guys too, which we won't talk about today, but Luca Garza and Matt Ryan, both restricted free agents. And then you have the guys who have some form or fashion. They have an option on their contract. So Nate Knight's likely to be back. His options about 2 million. It's a, just a straight club option. I would assume he's going to be back. Um, Torian Prince has a partially guaranteed deal for seven and a half million next year. The Wolves just need to make a decision on his contract by, uh, let's see, J uh, excuse me, June, not January, June 28th. So, uh, what day is the draft? The 21st? So the week after 
my days are correct. No, the 22nd. So within six days of the NBA draft, the Wolves just have to make a decision on whether or not they're guaranteed Prince's, guaranteeing Prince's contract for next year. So between the draft and NBA free agency, that's a $7.5 million chunk of salary cap. That's important to pay attention to what happens there. A much smaller decision to be made on Jordan McLaughlin, his $2.3 million is partially guaranteed as well, or excuse me, not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed for next year. The Wolves need to make that decision by June 30th. So just a couple of days after Torian Prince. In between there, in between the 28th and 30th, that's kind of where all those other qualified offers need to be extended. Uh, Alexander Walker, Garza, Ryan, uh, again, those get the latter two there being two-way players. And then Torian, or excuse me, Mike Conley, his his contract becomes guaranteed 48 hours after the draft. So the 24th next uh, Saturday. I can't imagine the Wolves would not allow that contract to become guaranteed. Um, I would expect Conley to be back. So the biggest question marks are unrestricted free agents, Nas Reed and Jalen Noel. I think the Wolves genuinely want Nas back. I don't think they want Noel back. Obviously, Reed's going to get paid a lot more than Noel. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, restricted free agent. We don't know what happens there. And then the question of, does Prince come back? Do they bring him back and then they trade him? We don't know. So potentially the Wolves could need a backup point guard, depending on how they feel about Jordan McLaughlin. I would assume he's back, but do they move to move him to like a third string point guard and bring in another backup point guard? Uh, Jalen Wells leaving, so you need another kind of combo guard, scoring two guard ideally um, to come off the bench. And then you have to figure out how you're going to fill Nasri's role. So really backup center. And I know you have Kat and Rudy. So it's really somebody that can play a little four or maybe be, um, you know, when those guys are in foul trouble or if injury strikes again, uh, 10, 12 minutes a game as a backup center. It, that's going to be a difficult, I think, position to recruit. There's a lot of potential backup centers, but how many guys are going to want to come to Minnesota and play third fiddle to Kat and Rudy, two all-NBA bigs, and have limited time to actually play the center spot. So you're looking for a little bit of a unicorn there, I think, if you're the Wolves. So those are the the positions, I should say. The Wolves are really looking to, um, I guess, fill on the roster and primarily likely through the free agency. As we've said before, there aren't exactly a ton of um, a ton of uh, trade options for the Wolves. Like you could they have some future second rounders you could trade. Uh, I mean, you could swap picks. Like, there's a few things they could do, but it's really catch your major trade chip. You have free agency. There's not a whole lot in between, right? You're not trading not trading McDaniel's. You're not going to be able to trade Rudy if you wanted to. So there's only so much you can do, and that's where free agency comes comes in. And the cap space wise, as we said a couple of weeks ago, it all depends on like what you think you're doing with Nas Reed. You essentially have, and I'm ballparking this now. I don't have the exact number, but it's like 15, 16 million to play with. Uh, maybe, give or take. Can you fit Nas, Alexander Walker, and another player into there? Maybe. Um, do you want to? That's another question, too. I've done a couple of shows on that. Like, is is it worth paying Nas Reed $14, 15000000 million for him to be your third big? Probably not. So what I would look to do if I'm the Wolves is I spend a little more money on the wing and guard spot, and you find a center or, or a big that can play the Nas Reed role. And by that, I mean, be your third big. Play a little at the four, a little bit at the five. Um, and and slide in behind Rudy and Cat. I wouldn't spend that money. Like I'm not going to go out and pay Jakob Pertl twenty million a year. I mean, you couldn't really do that anyway. But like, I love Jakob Pertl, but he's going to get a bigger role somewhere else, right? And, and there's there's a bunch of guys we could say that about. So all that to say, there's three players that I like from a not quite a bargain perspective. Uh, if you go to, I think it's Hoops Hype or no, actually Spotrack has a really nice. Um, 
free agency tool where you can sort by a variety of different things. They actually rank everybody into tiers as starters, uh, rotation guys, bench guys. So none of these guys would fit in the, into the starter category according to SpotRack. That's one opinion, but like none of them are like true full-time uh, starter level type guys, I don't think. Um, and they'll likely fall into the role player category. But like an important role player, obviously, right? Like these these minutes, if you're backfilling Jalen Noel, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Oz Reed minutes, those are big minutes. Like those are like essentially in some order, six, seven, eight spots in your rotation, or I guess Kyle Anderson's probably six. So you're seven, eight, nine spots in your rotation. You still have to fill. So what players make the most sense? Well, let's start in the backcourt. I think there's a couple of players that I like that could fill the Jalen Noel role and also pull a little bit from Jordan McLaughlin as well. Um, let's start with with... I think more of a two. So I guess more of a traditional, um, the Jalen Noel role. So we'll start there. And then I want to get to a, uh, more of a guard, a point guard, somebody who could take McLaughlin's role and then get to a big, there's three players I want to cover today. Uh, so we're going to get to that here next. Today's episode of Locked Out of Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Bird Dogs. I started wearing Bird Dogs a couple of weeks ago. And it's, uh, I don't think it's too much, too much of an exaggeration to say that they've been life changing. I mean, it's, I don't wear my khaki shorts anymore. I just wear bird dogs everywhere I go. Like you can legit wear them to the store on a Saturday morning, wear them home to hang around the house, go to a barbecue that night, uh, go, you know, go cook out at a, at a buddy's house and wear those bird dogs all day long. They're comfortable in every setting. They feel like you're wearing basketball shorts. Like, uh, like you're just lounging around in, in, uh, lounge shorts or, or athletic shorts. But they look like you're wearing like khakis or, or golf shorts or something like that. Uh, Bird Dog's stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, and they truly give you a sculpted look, if I don't uh, say so myself. My legs look fantastic in Bird Dog's. Um, Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as, like, say, Lululemon might do, but they actually fit way better. They're better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Go to birddogs.com slash lockdown and be a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash NBA for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you that. Lockdown's NBA mock draft special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round in a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience only Lockdown can deliver. All episodes are available right now on Lockdown NBA Big Board on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, continuing the free agency discussion Three guys I want to talk about. Let's start. Let's actually start at the point guard spot. So, really, a combo guard who's more of a point guard who I think would fit what the Wolves need really, really well. And that's Javon Carter. Of course, uh, with Milwaukee here the last couple of seasons, the last season and a half, I guess, after coming over from Brooklyn. Um, let's start with what he's good at and why I like the fit. First of all, he's a 40% three point shooter. He shot 42% this year. He's 39.7% for his career. The only season he shot worse than 37%, so worse than league average rounding up was his rookie year as a part-time player with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Besides that, he's been fantastic. So basically a 40% career three-point shooter. Um, He's a good defender. He is a, I would say a plus defender, really, really good at defending the point of attack. He's not big, uh, which is maybe my only real concern is he's only, he's a a little bit, a a little bit of a bigger build in terms of um, strength and uh, athletic build than say Jordan McLaughlin, but he's a similar height. Um, he, he's not, he's a little bigger, but only moderately. So, so you're not gaining much there, but he's absolutely a better shooter. He gives you more punch from a scoring perspective because of that. Uh, he's still a good free throw shooter. Not like he gets to the line, gets the line a lot, but he's reliable in that regard. Um, and he's 
he doesn't really turn the ball over. He's also not a high usage guy. Like he's not going to be looking for his shot, uh, you know, throughout the course of a game, right? Like that's not his role in that regard, similar to Jordan McLaughlin. But the profile of a of a low usage, low turnover, good shooting point guard who can command um, an offense and, and initiate an offense, but also be really good at the point of attack. It's like a better version of Jordan McLaughlin. Like there's a ton of similarities. He's got that that toughness factor. He's obviously kind of an energy guy, plays hard like Jordan McLaughlin. But again, tougher, a hard-nosed defender, a little bit bigger, and I think that helps him from a defensive standpoint. I really like Javon Carter. Uh, I think that the that he has a player option. Yeah, he's a player option on this year's, uh, uh, next year with um, with Milwaukee for $2.2 million. He's almost certainly going to opt out of that uh, and hit the free agency market. I think he could get five, six million on the market. And honestly, we'll talk about a couple of other guys here, but I'd rather go shopping and pay, call it four and a half million for Javon Carter and maybe still keep Jordan McLaughlin. I mean, I think they were a little redundant at that point, but you can let McLaughlin go save your 2.2 million that you're paying McLaughlin, bring Carter in at four and a half million. And you're only, that difference is only a couple million. You can then use that to go and keep the kill Alexander Walker or get one of the other guys I'm about to talk about. But in my mind, it's a slightly more expensive but better version of Jordan McLaughlin, and I I would side Javon like I'd go after Javon Carter. Now he's going to have no shortage of of teams looking for him because he played like I know Milwaukee at a disappointing end of the season, but this was the best team in the league uh, certainly in the Eastern Conference for much of the year, and he played 22 minutes a game for them. Actually started almost half the season uh, primarily at point guard. But to bring him in and play him behind Mike Conley, he's not like in two years, he's going to be 29 years old and there's a ceiling on his upside, obviously, and what he brings to the table. So you still need your point guard of the future to replace Conley. But to be a Conley backup and even play next to Conley at times, depending on matchups and foul trouble and all that stuff, Javon Carter is a really, really nice pickup. You could kind of slide in as part of the mid-level or even just using the cap space that they have, which isn't much. Um depending on your decision with Alexander Walker with, um, to a lesser extent, if, if you bring back Jordan McLaughlin, but obviously Nas Reed as well. Javon Carter, to me, is worth paying twice as much for him as it would be for Jordan McLaughlin. Another backcourt member I'd look at who's primarily a shooting guard would be Seth Curry. Um, Seth Curry had another season over 40% last year. Every single season of his career, he shot greater than 40% from the field. This was actually his worst season at 40.5%. Sorry, not from the field, from three-point range. For his career, 43.5% from three-point range. He's only a year removed. Remember splitting, uh, uh, what was it, two years ago, the 21-22 season between Philadelphia and Brooklyn. He averaged 15 points per game. Saw a much smaller role in, uh, I don't know, we could call Brooklyn a circus for this last year. In Brooklyn, he was down to nine points per game, but primarily came off the bench. In his age 33 season, I mean, that's his role, right? He's still not a good defender, although he's not as bad as as a lot of guys who are only shooting. Like, he's not Bryn Forbes level of, of bad defensively, right? Um, even at his size, he, he's obviously nowhere near as good as, say, like, I don't want to, I'm going to do it anyway. He's not anywhere near as good as his, as his brother as an undersized guard defensively. But he's better than a Bryn Forbes. He's better, in my mind, than D'Angelo Russell, who has size on Seth Curry. You can plug him into your rotation on a playoff team. Obviously, that's what he's done, right? He's almost exclusively played on playoff teams over the past four or five seasons. So there's a lot to like about Seth Curry. He's going to cost a lot more than Javon Carter. I know I just talked about Javon Carter, who will almost certainly get less than $5 million. Seth Curry's probably going to get most of the mid-level exceptions, so like $10, $12 million. 
you're only really signing Seth Curry if you're convinced that his punch off the bench is what you're missing and you're not bringing back Nas Reed. Now, a big problem with last year's team was the inability of the bench to consistently score and the inefficiency of Jalen Noel. And Seth Curry is very efficient, right? I mean, he doesn't get to the line a ton, but he makes he's an 86% free throw shooter. He's a 43.5% career three-point shooter. He's can hold his own defensively. I would argue he's a better defender than Jalen Noel in a vacuum. Um, so that is that worth it? I mean, I don't know. Like, it doesn't make more. And I know we love Nas Reed. I know Wolves fans love Nas Reed. But as I said the other day on the show, is it worth sinking, call it 12, 14 million into Nas Reed, a position that you already have Rudy and you already have Cat? Or does it make more sense to pick up somebody who could be your high usage bench score, but also is happy to play the sharpshooter role next to Anthony Edwards, sliding it to the three? You have Conley and Curry in the backcourt. Yes, he's undersized, but the shooting element is so important, spreading the floor. To, when you have Ant and you have, in this scenario, still have Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, you need that that floor stretching. Seth Curry is one of the best in the league at that. And it might be worth $11, $12 million to do that. I like Seth Curry as an option for the Wolves. Um, and I would not would not run from that possibility and would actually rather apply that chunk of change to Seth Curry than I would to Nas Reed. And I know that that's, a lot of people are going to hate that, but I, I that's where I'm at with, with the Nas Reed situation. The last name I'll mention today is one that could factor if Nas does move on. That would be Paul Reed, of course, uh, formerly of the, well, I guess still a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. He is a low minute backup, like averaged 10 minutes a game, essentially over the last, well, less than that a couple of years ago, only 11 minutes a game this year for the Sixers. So I'm all over the map here. Javon Carter is going to be a, a primary rotation guy, but probably four or 5 million. Seth Curry is a primary rotation guy, but probably 12 million ish. Paul Reed I don't have a great handle on what he's going to cost, but it's going to be on the low end, obviously. I think it's probably 4 or $5 million, maybe. But he's also only 10, 12 minutes a game. Could be exactly what the Wolves are looking for to put behind Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert. He is a He's going to be in foul trouble. He doesn't stretch the floor at all offensively. I think he can play a little at the four. He's a little undersized, maybe, um, but he can play a little at the four. He's such a good rebounder, though that it's 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 worth it. Like, the, what are the Wolves missing? It's rebounding. It's bench rebounding. Nas struggles to rebound as an undersized five. Uh, it, now, it's not always the bigs because Cat and Rudy are fine rebounder, rebounders, and Nas was actually pretty good this year on the glass. The rest of the team struggles. But adding more good rebounders to the mix are going to help your team rebound better, and Paul Reed does that. He had a 20.5% rebound rate this year, 23.1% defensive rebound rate. Yes, it was only 11 minutes a game, but it was also over 69 games. He was a regular rotation member for the Sixers this year. Does not add anything offensively. He is strictly a third or fourth big that you're going to pay a smaller salary, but from a rebound perspective, um, he, he fits what the Wolves need. And he's got, you know, again, a little bit undersized, but has played for winning teams, has played the, you know, played behind Joel Embiid the last couple of years, last three years. So playing behind Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, that's not a role that's like out of the norm for him. And I really like him as a, he's more of a bargain uh, type, you know, name that you'd be looking at. But uh, if the Wolves went shopping and said like, we'll let Nas walk, we'll sign Paul Reed, we'll sign Nikhil, we'll bring back Nikhil Alexander-Walker, we'll sign Javon Carter. Um that would be fine. You sign Seth Curry and you sign Paul Reed. And now you still got to find a wing defender, but maybe you're counting on Josh Minot and Wendell Moore Jr. to pick up bigger roles. Seth Curry becomes your bench scorer. Paul Reed's your backup center. And you bring back Nate Knight. So those are your four bigs, Rudy, Cat, Paul Reed, 
and Nate Knight. Maybe even bring back Luca Garza for a second year on a two-way. Because uh, why not? But then your backcourt, you have Conley, you have Javon Carter, or excuse me, uh, Seth Curry to mix in and play a little bit of, can run some point if you need him to. And you obviously have Ant, who's going to run some second-team offense. So that would be a, not a bad blueprint for this offseason. Again, not knowing exactly what these guys are going to, going to command in free agency, but you can mix and match with those three and the Wolves' own pending free agents and come up with a pretty nice, a pretty nice offseason for the Wolves, in my opinion. All right, let's close today by laughing a little bit together at the ESPN Power Rankings for next year uh, and where the Timberwolves rank. So we'll do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Game Time. If you're like me, Occasionally, you might wait to the last minute to make a decision on tickets for a concert or a sporting event, but that's where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means that you will always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so ESPN issued what they admit in the headline is the NBA Power Rankings Way Too Early Edition, our first look at 23-24. These were published on, I guess, earlier this week. I guess like on Tuesday. I missed it somehow. And so, yeah, I guess in the wake of, of the finals ending. And, of course, Denver's first and Boston is second. Like, uh, well, actually, well, that does make sense, actually, that Boston ahead of Miami. Uh, Miami's third, you know, on down the list. So where do the Timberwolves rank? I actually kind of thought they'd be closer to 20. So it was pleasantly surprising when they were at 16 in the Power Rankings. But it's not so much that they're 16th, because that's about right. I mean, like, how else do you do this, right? You take the finals, you say, ah, we actually think Boston's better than Miami moving forward. But basically, you're taking the the 16 playoff teams and putting them in the top 16 spots, give or take, right? It's a pretty good starting point. But the Wolves are 16th behind the Oklahoma City Thunder at 15th, who, of course, the Wolves beat in the second playing game. The New Orleans Pelicans, who didn't, who lost to the Thunder in the play-in, and the Wolves beat in the penultimate game of the regular season at 14. So two teams the Wolves beat in the final week of the season are right ahead of them, the Pelicans and Thunder. The Clippers are at 13. I, I mean, I don't know. Like that that to me is, those three to me are the most egregious. The Cavs at 12, I get. They had a disappointing end of the season. They've got a lot of upside moving forward. Evan Mobley, um, and in general, they just have a really young, I guess, core. Sacramento at 11. Uh, by the way, I went on Locked on Kings uh, today. Well, for today's show. So I believe Friday's Locked on Kings. I did a full show about mostly about Nas Reed with uh, Matt George of Locked on Kings. So go check that out if you want to hear me talk about Nas Reed for 30 minutes. Um, but uh, it was a good conversation. Talked a little bit about how the Kings were the last team the Wolves beat in the playoffs, which, you know, uh, or won a series against in the playoffs. Uh, what was that? 19 years ago. And, um, you know, it was a good conversation. So go check that out. The Knicks at nine feels a little bit aggressive as well. I know they won a playoff series, but like, are we really relying on this thing to, you know, it's just, 
there's nothing you can really hang your hat on with the Knicks besides Tibbs being a good coach and like Jalen Brunson being exciting and Emmanuel quickly, you know, he's good. Julius Randle took a minor step back this year. I, I don't know. The Knicks at nine is aggressive. I understand them being ahead of the Wolves. I'm not saying the Knicks should be behind the Wolves, but like the Warriors are at 10. Like the Warriors should be ahead of the Knicks. I know the Knicks had a better regular season. I know they went further in the play or to the same. Uh, they both went to the second round of the playoffs, but I would still put the Warriors ahead of the Knicks. I would probably put the Kings ahead of the Knicks. This is just, again, Knicks, um, the Knicks bump, I guess, even in power rankings. But I don't understand. Like, I actually think you could argue putting the Thunder ahead of the Wolves, but we're still projecting here. Uh, like, what else is developed around SGA? Obviously, Chet Holmgren should be back, but like, how good will he be from day one? How will they sync up as a team? I know they got out to a really hot start last year. I think the opposite may happen. They may get out to a slow start as they integrate Chet Holmgren and then you know maybe a close uh, or a better finish to the year for OKC. But right now, I would put the Wolves ahead of the Pelicans. I would put the Wolves ahead of the Clippers. I don't think it makes sense to do these power rankings based on supposed absolute health because like we also don't know who actually is going to be on these rosters, right? Like we don't know what the rotations are going to look like for these teams that have to fill bench spots, including the Wolves. But if we're doing this based on high-end talent, you have to factor in the likelihood guys will be hurt. Towns has been hurt a lot, but it's not chronic stuff, knock on wood, and he... He'll be back, right? Ant has been healthy, knock on wood. Zion Williamson has not been healthy. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have... Kawhi Leonard's never been healthy. Paul George hasn't been healthy in a while. Didn't even play in the first round last year, right? Um, I think it's crazy to have the Wolves down at 16 and have the Clippers and Pelicans at 13 and 14. I would put the Wolves at 13. I would put the Thunder at 14. And then I would go uh, in some order. I'd probably put Clippers 15, Pelicans 16, Dallas is down at 17. You could argue that Dallas should be ahead of, I know they're a mess right now, but the, the high-end potential with Luka, and again, Luka, knock on wood, has been largely healthy as well. So I don't understand putting the Pelicans and Clippers ahead of teams like Dallas, OKC, and the Wolves. I just don't think that makes sense. Um, but all that to say, the Wolves are a middle-of-the-pack team right now. That's where they're at. The ceiling is still much higher. I thought they'd be a five or six seed last year. I thought they could finish as high as fourth. That would have put them, you know, in the top ten range in a, in a offseason power rankings. And now there's nothing they're going to do from a top, a high end talent perspective to rise in any sort of offseason power rankings. No matter what they do on draft night, honestly, whether or not they trade Carl Anthony Towns, I don't think that moves them in in a ranking like this. Like, let's if if power rankings are important to you, buckle in for a long offseason of a lot of the same for the Wolves, because. It all depends on Ant's progression and the ability of Ant and Rudy and also Kat and Rudy to integrate together and play well together, grow together next year more than anything else. The fringe rotation moves, I'm, I'm going to dive into that minutia and I'll tell you on this show if I think it's going to make the Wolves better or worse next year. And absolutely they matter because we're sitting here now talking about Bruce Brown and and uh, Christian Brown and, and um, Jeff Green and these rotation guys for the Nuggets that made such a big difference in the playoffs. Look at Miami. Jimmy Butler, an old Kyle Lowry, obviously Bam Adebayo, and a bunch of rotation uh, role player type guys. Those moves matter. They don't matter in a power rankings. Like, if the Wolves do any of what I talked about in the second segment of today's show, it's not going to move them from 16 to 15 to 13 to 12 or down to 20. It's not going to matter. They're going to be middle of the pack. It's the growth of Ant, the integration of Rudy and Cat, and how they work together. Um, and then uh, if whether or not they make a big move, and then it's the moves on the fringes, 
are, are the things that will actually matter, even if they don't come through in the national conversation. And, and that's what we're going to see a lot of this offseason. The Wolves aren't going to be a hot topic once we know that Cat isn't getting traded or or after a Cat trade potentially happens. That's it. It's not like last offseason when it's a whole like, ah, well, how will the Rudy experiment work? And everybody wanted to talk Wolves. That's not what this offseason is. Everyone's decided that the Wolves have failed this, this Rudy experiment, even if that's unfair. And now it's about, it's all about Tim Connolly's time. He's got to do what he did in Denver and make those moves around the edges. All right, that's all I have for you today on the show. Of course, we'll be back next week. Draft talk throughout next week, Monday through Friday. Again, listen to Lockdown Kings today, uh, please. I was on the show with Matt George, the fantastic host of Lockdown Kings. We had a great conversation, so go check that out. Otherwise, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. A big thank you for making this show your first listen every day. This show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch the show on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, every day is tomorrow on the show. Well, no, not tomorrow. Monday on the show, we'll be talking NBA draft. Buckle up. The draft is next Thursday night. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember... The Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.